evening from Plug Kid Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 519 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for uh, Sunday, January 27th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's not driving their own cars, Nintendo is driving their own growth, and Facebook is driving down their own value. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be uh, on social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, on any of our uh, podcatchers, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Podcast Play in the Windows Store, the myriad of others like Spotify and uh, TuneIn Radio. Of course, you could be joining us live on any of those partners, Livestream.com, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Periscope, Twitch, and Mixer. Um, thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, like I said, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. The first is live on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the room while we're talking about the uh, topics and uh, give us your feedback as we go which Avram and I always like to hear what you have to say. Uh, if you can't join us live, that's okay. We're on all of the, the syndication platforms you can think of, um, so you can always subscribe there. And the easiest way is by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, which will be on in just a little bit, uh, plus our special events feed, uh, which will have content uh, continuing from CES and then from the Synapse Summit, which we did live on Wednesday. Uh, that's another benefit of uh, watching some of our stuff live is that you get to see content long before it gets published sometimes, like Synapse. Um, our first look series where we've got some new ideas uh, coming over there, uh, new product launch pad and more. So you can go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe for all of that. If you are joining us live tonight, you will notice that we are trying something new. Uh, we've done some upgrades in the studio, and hopefully this uh, live split screen is not going to overload the computer like it did the last time we ran this experiment. And you'll be able to see a nice, clean, clear picture of both Abram and I all through the show. Hooray! Abram! <laughs> how, Yay! How are you tonight, buddy? All right. Not bad. Just got a lot of got a lot of work, a lot of big stories that are coming out later in the week. So been working a little on it this weekend. Been working a little on it um, on Friday, and will be will be tomorrow. One thing I will tell people: I got to interview um, someone really fascinating and uh, get some really good details about. Uh, where Raspberry Pi is going, because uh, I spoke to Eben Upton, the founder and CEO of the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Awesome. Uh, so my story, my interview with him will be going up uh, early this week. So um, there'll be some interesting details there about uh, where Raspberry Pi has been and where it is going. Awesome. And, um, you know, lots of new, lots of new products. It is definitely that time of year, isn't it? <laughs> good. I mean, it's good, right? Like, if we don't get stuff, then um, <laughs> if we don't get stuff, then no, you know, then there's not. If nothing's happening, that's not good for 
the industry, for our readers, for right. our website. So yeah. we're always better off being extremely busy than the opposite. Indeed. And uh, I, I can confirm uh, I have an office full of things <laughs> to, uh, to be poking at. And uh, I know Danielle does too. So <laughs> it is definitely the time of year for, uh, for interesting new products. I am most excited about getting to try out the Benji Lock who um, our regular viewers will know we've been friends with uh, Robbie since we met him at his first CES. Uh, what was, this is 19, so it would have been 17 uh, when he was down in Eureka Park and nobody was paying any attention to him. And uh, now he pushes people out of the way for us to talk to him, even though he's part of <laughs> Brinks Home Security and uh, was featured on Shark Tank. He still pushes people out of the way for us. So I have one in my office. I cannot wait to try it out. I'm very excited about that one. That, that does look interesting. Uh, you know, kind of revolutionizing the padlock uh -huh. that you have for your by making it biometric. And so I and I really like cool. the idea that um, that uh, Kim, who is the the CEO of of the company that owns Brinks, uh, liked the idea so much that he he licensed the. The technology and they're including it into a home deadbolt uh, so that you can do it with the deadbolt which I think is a pretty cool idea too so uh, cannot yeah, wait to see neat. that on the market I got to see I got to touch it <laughs> on a demo door at CES but uh, can't wait to see that on the market because that's an awesome idea yeah I really liked um, I really like that thing that they are doing with the lamps uh, with the uh, what, oh. do you, what do you call them the uh, the outdoor lamps that yes. you put near your door. Yeah, the, uh, the smart and the dumb. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really good because, you know, there, there are smart doorbells like the Ring, but then they require you to replace your doorbell, which mm -hmm. might sound like, you know, no big deal. But what if you really like your doorbell? Right. Or, or what if it's, people do. or what if it's something like, like my parents, the, the doorbell is all like wired in through the house. Like it's a, it's a right. thing. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Yeah. Mine too. So it would it would be a big deal. First of all, it'd be a big deal to, you know, remove it. But second of all, you know, one of the little charming things about my house is that it makes this it has like old fashioned chimes or whatever that nice. it chimes when you hit the doorbell in my house. So, you know, when my wife and I talked about maybe getting something like a ring, we're like, Yeah, but we don't want to lose our doorbell. Right. <laughs> just want the camera part. Right. You know, and, so and the the array uh, smart lights essentially give yeah. you that capability without having to replace the doorbell. Yeah. Right. And they build it into the lights, which, you know, that's, uh, you know, provide you think their lights are okay, which they look pretty decent to me. Um, uh, they're actually, it's actually beneficial cause it, uh -huh. it, it controls what, how bright the light gets if someone's there. Right. So it's good. You can have them dim and turn on brighter if if somebody comes across and it's got all kinds of smarts so that it's not a cat setting it off, which I really like. Uh, if people want, uh, just so you guys know, if you want more information about that, uh, plughitslive.com slash CES slash 2018. Uh, on there is an interview that we did with Kim Kelly, the, the CEO of um, the company that owns Brinks that has that array system. And so uh, there's like a hands-on with it in that interview. So uh, definitely check that out. But I guess for right now, how about we get down to some news? Yes. 
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a, uh, a Surface, a uh, Surface Book, a uh, Surface Laptop, an Xbox One S or X, uh, including the Xbox One X, uh, one terabyte console with uh, Forza Horizon 4, uh, which is $50 off right now, plus you get a bonus of Gears of War 4, which is pretty cool. Uh, uh, up to 200 bucks off the Surface Pro 6, uh, $250 off the Dell Inspiron 13, all kinds of great deals, and it's not just Microsoft stuff. You can also get the Galaxy S9 and Galaxy Note 9 and a whole bunch of other stuff, all by visiting f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, over the last couple of years... Um, Obviously, autonomous vehicles have become a big part of the technology industry. Uh, at CES, it was kind of hard to avoid. In fact, there was a robot who was incapable of avoiding it and got destroyed uh, <laughs> the day before the show started. But uh, autonomous vehicles are definitely in their like super development phase. We're seeing them show up in several states from a lot of companies. And one of the companies who has had an interesting on-again, off-again relationship with uh, with self-driving vehicles has been Apple um, and their Project Titan. It has been a kind of a chaotic group within Apple. And by that, I mean that uh, their focus has shifted a couple of times. At one point, Apple was building their own car. And then at some point, they're like, no, we're not building a car. What we're going to do is we're going to build the sensor array and all the technology to make it possible. And we'll let other people deal with what a car is. Um, And so uh, a number of, of staffers changed within Project Titan. And then uh, at some point, they hired back a former Apple executive, Doug Field, uh, during about the middle of last year. Uh, Doug Field had been an Apple executive, had left to go work at Tesla, and has returned, and is now in charge of Project Titan. And this week, it was announced that 200 staffers had been moved out of Project Titan and into other projects within Apple. Now... In the past, when Apple has moved, it's not unusual for for a company like Apple to move staffers around. Um, You know, if you've got somebody who's an honest expert on AI, maybe you need them working on Siri until their project is done. And then you go put them into the autonomous vehicle team and, you know, you kind of move them around to where they're needed. It's unusual to move about 7% of an entire product team at once though unless there's a shift in focus and the belief is that the shift in focus here is that they're going back to building their own car what do you think about that abram hmm (laughs) so the interesting question is does apple want to make a car or does apple want to to make the self-driving part of the car and that's the question they have not been able to answer for themselves because they keep going think, back and forth on it. I don't think any of these companies wants to make wants to make a car. I don't think Nvidia wants to make a car. I, I mean, I don't think Intel wants to make a car. Like there I, I can't even begin to name all the companies that are making self driving car technology. Right, right. And none of I have yet to hear of one 
well, besides Tesla, I think I've yet to hear one that actually makes cars. Right. So it's really bizarre. Tesla, Tesla and Faraday. But, you know, Faraday hasn't actually put anything on the road yet. So. Right. But like, I don't know. They must be working on it. But like, where's the where's the Toyota uh, self-driving car or the Honda or the GM or the Chevy or the Ford self-driving car? Right. I I mean, it's very strange. It's like the I mean, I understand the self-driving part is pretty complicated, but. I can't imagine making cars is kind of difficult and requires a lot of experience. I can't imagine a company like Apple, which is a tech company, all of a sudden, you know, buying, you know, engines and wheels and axles and seats and like making a car. I I mean, if there was to be an Apple car, it would it would undoubtedly be some kind of joint venture or a licensing where they use the Apple name. Right. But my, but my guess is that there won't be an Apple car. Yeah. I, when, when that was their plan, which was the case before two years ago, I always thought that that was a strange move. It, it seemed like a weird place to go uh, for a company like Apple who um, knows how to make very small things Um to try and do something so big and so specialized and so like odd. And, and then when it turned out that they actually were designing one, that was strange. And then that went away. They're like, no, 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 no. We, we realize that's a silly idea. That's not who we are. We're going to just build the technology. But you know, now if they're making these big moves and they've literally hired somebody who, who has worked inside of Tesla on the hardware side of things. I, it's possible that they, they're going back to the idea. I think it would be a terrible idea, but you know, I think, I think the way Google's doing it, the way Waymo is doing it, you know, pa- partnering with Honda, uh, for example, to, to together, let Honda deal with the thing that they're best at and let Waymo deal with the thing that they're best at. That makes way more sense to me. Right. I, I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you, you know, why? I mean, remember when Apple was going to make a TV and they were mm-hmm. and they wussed out of doing that? Like that was that was in their within their core competency. Yeah. Making a TV. Apple. Apple. I mean, I don't know if they actually meant do much of the manufacturing, but Apple sells all kinds has has been known to sell Apple branded monitors. Right. Although right now I guess they're more concentrating on like, you know, they, they've had some through partners and whatever, but yeah, you know, that's a core competency display technology. They, they, uh, they put out lots of things with displays in them and they, and they put out a a TV device, the Apple TV. If you could build that into a television, whoop, that there's an Apple branded TV and they already know how to do all the inside stuff. Right. So that I one mean, made sense and they still backed out of that one. Right. So if they didn't want to do that, right. Why why would they why would they do why would they do a car? Totally with you. It seems like a terrible idea if if they are thinking about trying that. It, I it mean, just the, seems crazy. I mean the TV, you know, my free my free advice to Apple is you should still try to make the TV because like 
Apple has a good has a you know a following in consumer electronics. People who are not necessarily Mac people became iPhone people and and iPad people. Yeah, uh, you know, so they I think they have a they would have a really good chance to get people to buy an Apple TV even if it weren't even if it were nothing more than a high quality TV with with uh, you know with Apple TV. Uh, you know, uh-huh. set top box built in. Yeah. And, and, and Apple, you know, aesthetics, mm-hmm. uh, to the, to it. Uh, it would, I'm sure it would do fairly well, but they are not in position to, um, you know, to succeed to, to, in cars. To make cars. Yeah. It, it also begs the question of, What's going to happen if all these companies get their wish and make self-driving car technology? Doesn't there need to be a standard for it to actually be safe? Uh, 802.11. I don't remember what the P something. 802.11 P is the uh, communication standard for autonomous vehicles. Communicate, yeah. I mean, it's good that they're got a communication standard, but like, people still haven't agreed on, and maybe this is just where there has to be laws or whatever things like. What is the moral center of the machine if it thinks it's going to run into a crowd of people? Should it protect the the driver or I mean owner, passengers, whatever, uh-huh. or protect or protect the pedestrian? Should right. it, you know, like there's just all kinds of yeah all kinds of things. And so you're going to have Apple make one that, I don't know, what are you going to do? You're going to have Apple make one that will protect the the driver at all costs. And then you'll have Intel make one that'll swerve and that'll, that'll swerve off the cliff. Like, you know, like what are the standards for, for, for what makes these things safe Yeah. for, even if they can communicate with each other and, you know, one is going to say to the other, like, I'm going to, I want to pass you or so. I mean, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's so, it's so weird to me. Um, I really wish that I had gotten at CES to ride in a self-driving lift. Uh-huh. I, you know, CES, they were actually showing, um, self-driving lifts. Yes. Yes, indeed. So. Um, that's actually, I think, that's what took out the robot. <laughs> One of my favorite stories from the show. But yeah, it's I all of this is super early tech. I mean, it's it all requires a sensor array that is ri- ridiculously out of hand, like size-wise and all of that. Uh, you know, Tesla has tried with a smaller array and they keep hitting things and people so, you know, as of right now, for it to function seemingly at all, there is a ridiculous center array that has to stick off the top so everybody looks like a Google Street View car, which is going to obviously prevent real-world sales. So I don't think we're going to, you know, see anything out of outside of the test concept in reality for a while um, because there's all this stuff that has to be dealt with, right? If, you know, if you're at a cliff... Which sensor, which rule wins? Is it the hitting the people? Is it stopping and, 
getting hit from behind? Is it going off the cliff? What, which of these rules wins? There's all that stuff that needs to be dealt with. And I don't think they're anywhere near it. So at the way project Titan keeps changing their focus, it'll probably move four or five times before, (laughs) before we see anything out in the real world, other than their half a dozen test vehicles that they've got in California. I don't think we have, (laughs) have any need to worry about it for a while. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Whether you're building a new computer or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all the parts and pieces to make it easy for you. Uh, whether you're looking for uh, components like a video card, a power supply, a motherboard and processor, or your uh, more final products like a full laptop, a gaming desktop, or just a monitor, uh, you can find them all by going to pilchpoint.live slash new egg so we talked earlier avram that uh now is the time for us to be seeing new products and i am hoping you've got one there with you i do so this is something that uh this is something that they were showing at ces it's out now it's from the spiro company which you normally associate with making uh, ball-shaped robots, but this is something else. It's called Spectrums. Uh, this is so actually. So first of all, we have this mat here, but the mat is not actually where all the magic happens. But it does give you a whole bunch of colors. The magic all comes from this ring. So what Spectrums is is it's this ring, which is a Bluetooth LE ring that has a color sensor in it. And then it pairs with your phone or tablet with this app called Spectrum's Mix. And in the app, you've got all kinds of different sound schemes that you can choose from, uh, including, let's see, I'll go with, well, let's see, what should we go with? Electro Dance. Electro Dance. So when you do it, what you do is you get you look on the screen, you see something that looks just like the mat here. But what happens is when you're paired, let's see, am I paired with my phone? Yes. Yes, I am paired. So when I wear this ring, I can play this music by hitting any of, by hitting any of these colors with my fingers. So let's see. So if I, the volume here so you may or may not be able to hear it let's see but you can also now here's the catch though you can also do it with your finger so you know in effect all this is doing is being a color sensor Mm -hmm. Uh, but you can make some pretty cool music with it you may not like the light in my room or something here because it's connected. I, so, I think it's the shadow coming from your hand that's changing the color. Oh. Now, here's something that's really interesting to know, folks. This this thing here, not needed. Right. It's cute. But you, as long as you find something that is one of these colors, and unfortunately on the webcam the colors aren't coming through so great, 
But if you find something in, in, in your room, in your clothes and anywhere, except don't tap on the screen, that doesn't work. But anyway, <laughs> if you find, like if it's got Isaac, that was the first thing he, my son, that was the first thing he tried. But, um, you know, there's a green one, right? If you find something green around it, well, here I'm tapping on the green, it will make it play. Yeah. And of course, Yep. It also does like it also plays loops here. Sounds a lot like, sounds a lot, sounds a lot like uh, "Sorry for Party Rocking." Yes, it does. Anyway, uh, and they've got one that's like a retro arcade one, and you can also record your own sounds, mm-hmm. uh, and it's fun. The Spiro Spectrum. Now, this is made to sort of teach kids a little bit about get them interested in music, get them interested in tech. It does not teach programming skills, as you can see, because What's the program? Right. Um, Now, theoretically, let's keep in mind that the music part is just an app. The the piece of hardware that they give you is a color sensor. Uh, So now you might be wondering, my first question to Sphero when I saw this was, do you need the ring? Could you just download the app and do this? And the answer is yes and no. (laughs) They have fixed it so that you can't launch the app if you don't have the ring connected. Okay. However, once you have the ring connected, if you just wanted to do this, you could. Now, I haven't, I'm not totally up on all the music apps that are available for Android and iOS, but my guess is that there's probably other apps out there that would do this without the ring that that one could get. That's my guess. Yeah, there's all kinds of beat makers. You know, so... So I think what's special is the color sensor yeah. and the fact that you have a color sensor on this like Bluetooth LE thing, which they said, I think they said lasts about two hours. And I saw I played with it for a long time and didn't, the battery didn't go down at all. So that's, that's good. And, you know, it charges by, by micro USB. Now, what I'm looking forward to with this is, is uh, when and if they come out with an API or something where you could program, program uh, other things to take input from this. Yeah. So... You know, for example, let's say you had a Sphero robot and then you could fix it. So every time you touched green with this, the robot would go forward. And every type, time you touched like uh, red, it would stop moving or something like that. That would be so uh, cool. Like there's a lot of right because you could, you know, so what I'm I now they did not say they're going to do that. But when I talked to them, they said, oh, yeah, we'll come out with API for this. It, if they do, I will definitely try to spend a weekend trying to make it work. Now, I mean, granted, you know, for those who aren't electronics hobbyists, let me tell you, it, you can get color sensors in the world. It's not the first thing in the world to have color sensor. Right. But I have not seen anywhere a color sensor this convenient and wearable. Yeah. Where it's Bluetooth LE built right into it. You know, you can kind of put it on your finger, you know. Uh, so... Those of you looking to give it as an engagement ring will be happy to hear it only cost sixty five dollars, um, you know. And and if you wanted to to have matching rings as that it's as that engagement ring, yeah, ninety nine for nine, a pair of them. Ninety I'm telling you, it's a much better deal than any of the diamond or gold stuff out there. <laughs> First of all, this does something. Okay, <laughs> those just those don't do anything. I mean, do you think about like the gaming system that you could buy somebody? If you took all the money that you were going to spend on on like expensive jewelry and spent it on tech, 
you know, so you could just give the, you know, just give that per special person this ring and, you know, and, uh, you know, then they can detect any color you, you want, you know, in fact, you think of, think of the API engagement you could do with this. Like, like, Hey, here's a ring. You want to know what I, what, I, what message I'm trying to send you with this? Tap this color. <laughs> Put together like a, uh, like a whole scavenger hunt kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you use it for a promposal or something. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, one of the things that I thought was uh, was really cool about uh, the product is that the colors you can you can reprogram what the colors are that you're sensing for based on the things around you. So you don't have to go look for a thing that's one of the colors on the board. You can you can reprogram it and touch. Say I want to change this green and then touch a pear or something and it'll pull that color off of the pear and turn it into the the sensor color that was something that i thought was pretty cool so that you can literally build your own color palette or your own color pad if you wanted to yeah you know what else is pretty interesting about that concept again going to the api part sorry sorry folks i know this is meant to be a child's toy and like but my child the six-year-old you know, when he saw this, he, he enjoyed playing with it very much, but he was like, I wish you could do more with it. Mm -hmm. And you know, a little bit because he's all into building robots and everything. And I was like, well, what if I could make this control your control, one of your existing robots by touching a color? And he was like, Oh man, you should do that today. I was like, well, <laughs> they don't, I don't, I would have to really try and figure that one out because there's no documentation on how to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I might be able to use a blue. I haven't tried this yet. I might be able to use a Bluetooth sniffer or something to see what signals it's sending back to sending back through the air and then try to reverse engineer like what it's sending. But, you know, here's the other thing you could do with this potentially. You could possibly use it to like to grab colors for, I don't know, color matching things. I don't know how good it is for that. We'd have to try it, but like, you know, you ever see something like, oh, I want the paint. I want, you know, I like that color uh -huh. paint or something. You know, what if you could just tap this against whatever and then it would give you, it would give you the hex, like, you know, the hex code for that color or the RGB for that color. Oh, I am mad that I don't already have that capability. <laughs> now, what I don't know is, since I'm not an, you know, an, an artiste and color specialist, whether... Like if there's some level of bits or what, like some level of accuracy that it's going to need that this that this ring doesn't have. Sure. But um, you know, I certainly give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I uh, I love that <laughs> idea. I already want to be playing with it. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is a situation where I don't know. To me, the tech is actually more interesting than the application at this point. But the application is fun. Sixty-five dollars or ninety-nine dollars for two of them is really not bad. Kids will have fun with this. Uh, it is definitely compact, unlike a lot of musical toys that some people have bought. My son that take up a lot of space. You got this, and you got this, and that's it. And you know, so. Good, good news is it's not going to eat up a lot of space in your house. <laughs> and all of the noise comes from your phone or tablet. So, you know, if you can lock down one of those, you can lock down the noise. So that's just my look at the Sphero Spectrums available now for $65 and $99. Our, our full review of that should be going live soon. 
Uh, but uh, I got to say, you know, it's 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 pretty fun, and the potential is is really uh, is really big. Well, uh, I I obviously I'm excited by it. Um, you know, we talked before the show that uh, the product, or maybe even at the beginning of the show, it got started at, at Collision, uh, which which for me is even ex- even makes it even more exciting that uh, that I get to see something that was a startup, you know, at at, a, at Collision, which is becoming one of my favorite shows of the year, turn into this really cool implementation uh, with the the partnership with Sphero. So. Uh, that's always cool to see. So good for good for them, and it's a cool product. <laughs> Obviously, we've sat here and come up with all kinds of cool, uh, yeah, additional uses for it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's so it's so much fun. It's so much fun to think of what you could do with it, and all it really is is a color sensor. But yeah. you know, you don't really get one in this form factor. So uh, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun to think about things like that. You know, I'll think about, uh, so this week, stay, stay tuned for Tom's hardware. You'll be learning about this and you'll be learning about Tom and you'll be learning about Raspberry Pi. So two things you can have fun with that allow you to have fun with sensors. Yes, indeed. Well, I look forward to seeing the full review and I think, you know, I've been looking forward to that interview for a while. So, uh, uh, definitely can't wait to see those out in the wild. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer, all the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console. Uh, And it it doesn't matter whether you're looking for a new keyboard like the Black Widow X Chroma Mercury Edition, which is $40 off right now, or you're looking for a great mouse like I use here in the studio, like the uh, Mamba Flux, uh, which right now is $30 off, you're looking for uh, gaming headsets, which they've got a whole variety of uh, webcams that have the, the chroma key built in, or uh, even full laptops. Uh, they've got them all, and you can find out about all of that at f5live.tv slash razor. So there was, there was some fear in 2017 that it was not a good uh, retail year for gaming consoles. As it turned out, uh, uh, NPD at the beginning of 2018 disproved that, and not only was it a, a a positive year for console sales, it was actually a bit of a banner year for console sales, uh, having a 27% sales increase over 2016, which is a pretty big deal that far into a uh, console generation's lifespan with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 both having uh, time behind them. Uh, Obviously, that was led in part by the release of the Nintendo Switch, though not by that much because they were impossible to get your hands on. So (laughs) if they could have built them faster, it might have even been a bigger year. Now, fast forward to 2018. Again, a little fear that maybe there'd be some slowdown. Turns out, nope, 
In fact, on top of that uh, increase from 2016 to 2017, there was another 8% sales growth on console sales. Uh, again, led by Nintendo. In fact, Nintendo was by far <laughs> the largest console uh, sales for 2018. Clearly, the Switch, uh, being earlier in its lifespan, helped with that a lot. But I think a lot of the uh, the credit goes to um, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, which which came out near the end of the year. And of course, whenever there's a game like that, there's always holdouts that then finally buy the console. <laughs> um, and considering. Uh, Super Smash Brothers wasn't released until December 20th of 2018. It was still the number five uh, game for the entire year. So that's that's pretty impressive given only three weeks of sales. Yeah, I mean, people were in my office are obsessed with Smash Brothers. Um, like we had a holiday party and like everybody like went into a conference room and was playing smash brothers <laughs> and it just shows what an old fogey I am. Cause they handed it to me and they hand me the joy con and they're like, yeah, you're going to play this. Right. And I was like, okay. And I, and I, and I, and I totally died like within a few seconds. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, people love, people love their Nintendo switch. The, Nintendo is great at providing that kind of fun, um, and, you know, without being the leader in processing power and technology, they, they're a leader in knowing how to make games fun and engaging. Yeah. Even if they're not the, even if they're not, you know, employing all of the, all of the highest end tech. So, you and, know. And I think that has a lot, to, like, the not employing the highest end tech, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Microsoft and Sony certainly target the core gamer market. Uh, whereas Nintendo's like, anybody can pick this thing up, literally can pick it up and play uh, Pokemon or, you know, wh whatever, whatever game they want. They go from, you know, the more casual style games, you know, up through, through AAA, both first party and, and third party titles. You know, they, they really don't target just the core gamer. They target, anybody who's just looking to have fun at any at any point i think that there are more kids you know, my son my son is six i think there are more kids his age that he knows in school who have switched than have any cons any of the major consoles mm -hmm. now i've told him that he's not getting a switch because <laughs> because because like that's a invitation for something that he's going to drop on the floor and break um, sure. versus a heavy console that he's not going to pick up and is cheaper. I ideally play more stuff. Yeah, oh, he doesn't like, cause <laughs> he, but the, the switch is supposed to be picked up right. and that's, that's, it's, it's downfall, you know, but yeah, Nintendo is really good at what they do. Plus they've made a really compelling argument to people who are console gamers that maybe you need another console like i know people have xbox and playstation together but they don't really need to have them right like you really sh if you're going to have one you probably just need to pick one whereas 
you know, there's a there's an argument to be made because it's got different titles, it's got a different style of gameplay, yeah. it's got, got the Joy Cons and, and so and, many first party titles that you can't play on other platforms. Yeah. That you know that there's an argument to be made that you can have the Switch and have that it's okay to have a Switch and an Xbox or right. a Switch and a PlayStation. Yeah, um, and have totally different experiences because you can't play you know, Breath of the Wild or Pokemon off of the Switch. You can't play Super Smash Brothers Ultimate off of the Switch. It's the it's your only place for it. And so you you legitimately get, you know, a different gaming experience than, you know, okay, Call of Duty is on both consoles. All right. What? Right. Exactly. So so I, I think uh, you know, good for Nintendo. The, you know, I think a couple of years ago, you and I were talking about how much trouble they were in with Wii U being such a flop. Oh, yeah. Um, Which I said from the day they announced it. Everybody else on the team disagreed with me, but I said that thing was going to be a failure. I didn't want it to be, but I knew it would be. The market was hungry for Nintendo to do something right. People wanted them to succeed. And doing something so similar and then just adding a tablet to it was not it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, good, good for them. Um, good for the market. Yeah. I guess no more, uh, no more quarterly losses out of Nintendo, which is great. Yeah. Cause you know, they went, what was it? 103 years without ever having a quarterly loss. And then all of a sudden it was what 11 in a row or something like that, which was entirely because of the Wii U. Now I'm a PC guy. Um, you know, and, you know that my website is pretty much all about <laughs> computers, so you know I, I'm I'm heartened to see that people are still spending lots, you know, still spending good money on on buying PCs to play yep. even higher end games. But the quality of these consoles is getting really good. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you when you look at the like what the Xbox One X and the PlayStation Four Pro are capable of doing. Ooh. They are definitely keeping up, and I can't wait to see what uh that next Xbox One console, whose name I can't remember right now, what that's able to do, because uh, that might, you know, that might revitalize the Xbox sales too, because the X did, the Pro did for PlayStation, and those two combined with the Switch are almost certainly where that twenty seven percent came in on twenty seven in twenty seventeen, so. Uh, Obviously, we don't know what 2019 will look like, uh, but you know if if 2017 and 2018 are any indication, and we know that Microsoft's working on another Xbox iteration that's going to be diskless, uh, you know that 2019 could be another another sales growth year for console sales, which uh, would definitely be be good for the industry. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or, you know, let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like your The Hunter from the Future. It appears to be in black and white and 
they're milking a cow. I don't know what this film is about, but that's what makes uh, these B-movies the best. Um, if you want to find out uh, what films and what short films are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. Seriously, now they're feeding a horse. And a horse is drinking from a cow. I This is... How is this a sci-fi? I don't know. Anyway, very weird, the stuff that shows up on there, and that's what makes it the best. Anyway, um, over the last seven or so years, Facebook has made a lot of acquisitions, sometimes uh, even causing trouble for themselves, like in 2012 when they purchased Instagram for what at the time seemed like a ludicrous amount of $1 billion, but uh, it turned out to not be. Uh, a ridiculous price, uh, they actually risked their own IPO by making that purchase. In 2014, they bought WhatsApp, a significantly smaller user base, for $16 billion, certainly making that $1 billion for Instagram look like a steal. Uh, one of the things that is kind of in common across some of these platforms, in particular Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram, is that they all include private messaging. WhatsApp being a private messaging service. And uh, as Abram and I have talked about for the last couple of years, we don't quite understand why there are so many hundreds of thousands of companies all trying to do private messaging, uh, because how do you make it special? You don't. That's how. There, <laughs> a couple of companies like WhatsApp, um, you know, did something that, you know, until then, very few companies had done and been successful with is done end-to-end encryption on the messages. Um, in, in AOL Instant Messenger years ago, you could add your own certificate to AIM, but that was not for the uh, faint of heart to, <laughs> to set up. Uh, but WhatsApp has end-to-end encryption uh, on all messages. So Zuckerberg uh, decided to put a call to action on all three teams and to create a unified messaging platform uh, for all three. So there's some good and some bad here. The good would be that uh, if you have a Facebook account, you do not want to also have a WhatsApp account, uh, you would be able to communicate cross-platform without having to have a separate account. That sounds like a great idea. Except, remember we just talked about encryption, that is certainly going to make it, uh, what's the word, impossible. So, (laughs) that means that WhatsApp, at some point, is going to have to either either have some sort of an encryption black hole in the center of their communication portal, or all three platforms are going to have to be encrypted. I can guarantee you, it's not going to be B, because while Facebook and Instagram get some information about you by what you post and what you like, their advertising goldmine is in your private messages. So I feel like there is a 0% chance that they're going to encrypt messages on on Messenger and Instagram uh, and give up that goldmine of information that you're sharing. What do you think, Abram? Hmm. That's a good... Uh, probably, I mean... Yeah, I suppose I suppose not. Yeah. It would certainly seem crazy, which means in the uh in the hub of this three spoke messaging system, 
there's going to have to be a place where it goes, nope, don't encrypt this one to WhatsApp, which means that all of a sudden WhatsApp's going to get unencrypted messages. How do you know which ones are and which ones aren't? Are they going to tell you? Who knows? Does that unravel, begin the unraveling of encryption on WhatsApp? (laughs) Who knows? All of that makes that platform certainly questionable and that $16 billion start to look uh, frightening for investors. Right. I mean, it was always a flavor of the month. Of course, of course, everything having to do with social media is a flavor of the month. Absolutely. Because nothing, nothing about social media is based on having a superior technology platform right. to somebody else. Like, Anyone could create, sorry, anyone could create Twitter. Yeah. Anyone could create face, Facebook. They're not, it's not that they're sitting on all this technical innovation. No. Um, they're sitting on popularity. Uh-huh. They, it's yeah. not even like, like Amazon or something where they've created like a really good service with good prices and, right. you know, whatever. Like they're really getting by on the fact that at one point in history a lot of people signed up uh-huh. and now everybody's there and so people still come there yeah it's like the kardashians they're famous for being famous yes so um so you know if something better comes along or people just get too annoyed <laughs> that they their whole business could go right could go could go under because fundamentally like, you know, we've seen it. Google made Google Plus. There was nothing technologically worse about Google Plus. No. In fact, it, it had some some capabilities that the other platforms started to pull over. Um, it, because it just yeah. it just didn't have the influencers. Yeah, exactly. Right? It didn't so now Or the, the word, Or the young people. Right. Which well, is which is where which is where Facebook's purchase of Instagram came from was because right. Both Facebook and Twitter were interested because both of them were losing new subscriber signups to Instagram and uh, Twitter put out a bid and Facebook panicked (laughs) and put out a bigger bid in the midst of an IPO, which almost screwed that up for them. Everybody wants everybody wants the the younger generation. I mean, here's here's a little story. Right. So like. We take a lot of we take a lot of briefings from when I was at laptop, when I was a Tom's guide, even now. We've ended up taking a fair number of briefings from from HP. Uh, and almost every time we we talk to HP and they talk about their laptops that are coming out, for years they would talk about millennials. Uh-huh. Like this business laptop is gonna really appeal to millennials because millennials like good looking stuff which was really funny to me because I'm Gen X and I'm like, oh no, we like ugly stuff, right? Right, right. Um, and then miraculously, like last year, all of a sudden millennials start, the references to millennials start to recede a little bit and now it's it's Gen, I think Gen Z. Z. Yeah. Right, so now like millennials, you're old. You're too old. Uh-huh, indeed. Because I'm technically a millennial. I'm no longer the target demo. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, because I mean, technically, at this point, I'm pretty locked into my my brands of choice. In fairness, as far as laptops are concerned, I'm kind of locked into my brands of choice. Yeah. So, so anyway, it's just funny because they're. I, I don't. Are they targeting them because they think they can 
can get them to move brands? Are they targeting them because it every every business wants young people? Yeah. Nobody aside from consumer cellular, <laughs> which <laughs> makes those fifteen dollar a month phones. Track phone. Come on, track phone. Yeah. You know, or uh, every business and like the Colonial Pen Life Insurance or whatever, <laughs> every business wants young young people. Like, you know, I would say my son is probably the target demographic. He's got to enjoy it while he can. Like, you know, they would love to get him interested. In, you know, he's a little too young yeah. using it, but they would sure. But you know, no young, no one can be too young to be targeted by advertising. Just too old. So indeed. So yes, they are afraid. Facebook, uh, you know, is is deathly afraid of somebody cooler coming along and getting the young crowd. So mm -hmm. their strategy is to just keep buying whatever becomes popular, yep. so that they can incorporate it. Now, what happens if somebody does? If there's somebody so big that they can't be bought? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, <laughs> mightier. Mightier companies have fall have fallen, um, and you know other companies like Google. You know, there's technology underlying Google. There's reason why, you know, why people use it. Um, Facebook, you know, they've obviously made some technology purchases and getting Oculus and things like that. But the reason people use Facebook is because of who else is there, right? So, and and the same thing goes for Instagram because. You know, while, well, I mean, millennials are, are into Instagram, but the the younger side of millennials and certainly Gen X, um, a lot of them don't have Facebook accounts at all and exclusively have Instagram. Uh, right. So, you know, that's, that's definitely, that was the thing that both of those companies were afraid of, both Twitter and Facebook, was that that was going to happen and the other one was going to buy it. And so uh, they both tried. <laughs> And yeah, so, exactly. so if, if I only have, uh, Facebook and this isn't the case, but, and I guess Danielle, well, yeah, Danielle's at the very extreme low end. We're at the extreme ends of the millennial generation. So, and say Danielle only had a, an Instagram, which wouldn't be unusual for somebody her age. Um, the whole idea here is for us to still be able to communicate back and forth, um, you it's can talk just... those young folks' language. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely have learned that I cannot do that. <laughs> I very frequently have no idea what the uh, robotics kids are talking about, which is just fine with me. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, so this this is going to be an interesting project. It'll be interesting to see if uh, they even get started on it, let alone finish it, because I think it's more complex than than they're giving credit for. Yes, it is. But, you know, they're going to try to do it because it's good good for them to have all that data. Yeah, indeed. This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic features, you know you get free shipping, sometimes two day, one day, sometimes two hour, depending on where you are and uh, what you're buying, but you may not know about all the other cool stuff you also get. Amazon Prime Music, a couple million tracks available to stream for free as part of your subscription. 
Avram's favorite Amazon Prime Video, which gives you all kinds of video content, uh, including TV shows and movies and uh, documentaries, both uh, original content and licensed, even a whole bunch of the HBO uh, back catalog is all available on there, again, as part of your subscription. My favorite is Twitch Prime, which gives you one free subscription on Twitch every month, which you could use to subscribe to Plug Hits Live or uh, any other channel on Twitch, and the free games, which is the win for me. Free games available on Twitch all the time if you pair your Amazon account over, uh, and they have some really fun games. I go back and replay Psychonauts on a fairly regular basis that the most recent time I got it, I got it through <laughs> Twitch Prime. So uh, if you're a subscriber, we have links for all of these cool benefits that you get. If you're not a subscriber, we have an offer for a 30-day free trial so you can give it a try and see if it's for you. And all of that is available by going to f5live.tv prime. So, um, content curation, I guess we'll call it, because uh, online censorship sounds harsher, um, has been <laughs> certainly uh, all the rage lately. Avram and I have talked a number of times over the last year or so about uh, why these companies wouldn't want to get into it and yet continue to find themselves in this place where they decide what is and is not uh, content-wise uh, going to be uh, part of their platform. We've seen, you know, uh, Facebook pull weird stuff, uh, any reference, any positive reference to sex a couple of months ago, maybe November or December, which was a weird move for them. Uh, YouTube has been another uh, big place where we've seen um, you can't monetize any video that even uses the word gun. Um, I had one thing that YouTube, there was a tag. I don't remember what the tag was, but it was like, it had the word sneeze in it or something. And YouTube's like, well, if you include that tag, you can't monetize your video. I'm like, what? So both companies have certainly done weird things to either demonetize or demote or uh, entirely prevent certain content uh, from their sites, which of course is a slippery slope, and that slope has continued for YouTube. And this week, they have decided that they will be the arbiters of what is a conspiracy theory versus an alternate version of a story, and they will be demoting any video that they decide is a conspiracy theory, which of course means that YouTube has decided that they will be in charge of what is considered true, which for me is a scary move. They're starting with clear things. Uh, examples that totally make sense. I, if you were to be okay with this concept, the idea of uh, flat Earth, they're not they're demoting flat Earth stuff, which for me is disappointing because that's some of the best comedy on the internet. Uh, I, I don't think there's any comedy videos out there that come close to watching a flat Earther explain their theories. Um, so that's going to be sad for me. That's how I find those. Um, False claims about 9-11 and the Holocaust and things like that. Okay, I I can see how you get there. But of course, I, I'm always pessimistic about these things. I feel like 
it starts here and uh, gets worse over time because there's no clear boundaries on what is a conspiracy theory, what it is today and what it is in a month uh, start to scare me. What about you, Abram? Yeah, that's the that's the challenge for any company that provides a platform for video or a platform for or or a platform for text. Like, how do you just how do you decide to be the arbiter? Right. Who's the arbiter? And and that's why you see so many companies abdicating that responsibility or doing it very poorly, because, first of all, they're kind of in business to make money. So the more content on the platform, the better, the better as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Second of all, if they offend people, they're going to leave the platform. So let's say maybe, you know, maybe you're running a platform and you, you know that the earth is round, but you know, who, you could say, who am I to tell to, to annoy the flat earthers? Right. Which, which totally makes sense to me. I, it seems strange because like YouTube, the, in my experience, a large portion of the stuff on YouTube and the ones that get, you know, big ratings are things like, um, you know, tech videos and then uh, oddball videos. <laughs> the, yeah, the, exactly. The, the flat earth videos and the what if 9-11 was an inside job and what <laughs> and but then sometimes those alternate uh, stories uh you know, turn out to be true. Like what we saw with the, the DC kids a week or 10 days ago or however long ago that was. The thing that came out from CNN and NBC turned out to be a total fiction. And if it hadn't been for uh, the original video being published on on uh, YouTube and Facebook, the world may have believed the original story that turned out to have been... Uh, created by somebody with a cell phone at the event, you know? So, exactly. so how does, does, does YouTube say, well, CNN says that this is the true story. Well, CNN story was wrong. Whether I don't have any idea if it was by choice or not. And that might be where the conspiracy theory aspect of that story comes in, but I don't know if they did it on purpose or they were just too lazy to, to pull the whole video, but they provided a very false narrative. <laughs> and then, so do we say, well, CNN's right. And then all of the, the content about what actually happened gets demoted. Yeek, that seems scary to me. Right. So that's, so that's why it's really, it's a really difficult business to be in the business of trying to decide what's true and not. Uh-huh. I mean, people have been, uh, I mean, you can go back to Plato and Aristotle and they didn't necessarily always have an answer for you. Right. So on the other hand, when you don't, um, when you don't moderate at all, then you end up with a lot of false information flying around and that's not necessarily good for, uh, good in the public interest. Uh, especially not if we continue to, uh, to push down the idea of critical thinking, which I I right. think I think has been happening a lot lately. We've discouraged critical thinking and said somebody else is going to be in charge of somebody else is going to be in charge of deciding what's true or not for you. And you know, I don't think either option is good, but at least at least if you have information, you can theoretically make a decision 
you know, based on that information. But like to your point, you know, people tend to make snap decisions based on little bits of it's, nonsense, which is exactly what happened with those kids in DC. So, you know, even professional journalists got tricked into a story. So, uh, there's a, just a lot of, pers- there's a lot of perspectives on the truth. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I, this week I had the unpleasant, um, opportunity to watch my sister-in-law and my mother get into a debate on Facebook about a new, um, controversial new law in New York state. Mm. Um, you know, and I won't even get into it on this podcast because we don't talk about that sort of thing. But let me just say that like in some ways, in some ways, neither of them was wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it was a, it was a perspective Uh on something that happened. Yeah. It's that, it's that whole idea of, uh, you can use the Bible to justify, to justify any side of any argument. It, right. Because right. because you can use the same set of facts to but cut them how you want to uh, to prove any argument. Right. Right. So, you know, and my mother pointed to Snopes. She was like, hey, you know, look at Snopes. And it had no effect on on my sister-in-law and her all of her friends and what they believe. So, like, sure. I don't know who the arbiter is. Like, right. if it's not Snopes, I I don't know who it is. You know, is it Paulette Fact or like, you know, who 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 is it that, you know, who do you trust? Who do you believe? Right. I and and for me, I always have to go to to multiple sources and and you know, I I'm a big fan of going to conspiracy theory sites because they bring up aspects of things that you may not have encountered outside. And if you can at least back up some of the facts from the outside world, um, you know, it, it can help, you know, shape, shape the story. Cause everybody these days is trying to tell a story. Um, and you know, the, the question becomes how much of each, each version of the narrative is accurate and, you know, putting that story together can be difficult, but I think that's part of being a person. Most people don't agree with me. Most people don't think that critical thinking is part of being a person, but I think that's the foundation of well, being a person personally. Here here's a good rule of thumb, I think. If it make if you if it sounds if it's if it confirms what you already believe, then you should probably question it. Mm-hmm. If it if it seems to lend credence to what you you know, what you want if it's sort of like what you want to hear, uh huh, then um then you should probably question it. Right. Like if you read that Hillary Clinton is running a, a sex ring out of a pizza shop and you're like, yeah, that sounds right. Question it. (laughs) Because obviously that was insane. Right. (laughs) And anybody with a brain, you know, who, who was able to think critically would have looked at that and gone, well, that's nonsense. (laughs) But if it, if it already, you know, if you're already looking for a reason to, to go get her that it might be time right. to go look for external sources. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my favorite example of insanity on the yeah. internet. <laughs> Cause that one was crazy. Anyway. Um, per- personally, I think, 
I think it's a scary place for YouTube to be going, but how they've acted the last two years, it doesn't surprise me at all. Well, that is our show. Uh, for those of you who joined us live, we always appreciate it. Thank you for doing so. Uh, if you didn't, you can always join us on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, and if you did join us live and you'd like to uh, listen to it again later or share the content, we always appreciate that. You can do that from pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows uh, and can give subscription links and uh, get to all of the individual episodes as well. Uh, so we definitely appreciate that. Uh, find us on social media, share the content. It, it is what helps us out. It's what allows us to do things like CES and Collision is when uh, you guys help share the content. So we always appreciate that. Uh, it looks like our test here on the uh, split screen was a success tonight. So my guess is you'll be seeing more of that in the future. Uh, possibly adding some of the other graphics in as we go. Fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes. Um, but for now, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.